Welcome to Squared Circle Rewind, episode 15, where we will be reviewing Great American Bash 1988. The tag, the tagline for this was The Price for Freedom. It was held in the Baltimore Arena in Baltimore, obviously. Tony Schiavone and Jim Ross were on commentary. This is back when Schiavone wasn't that annoying. And he had the douchiest of stashes that I've ever seen. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yes, was it ever. I thought the intro to this pay-per-view was more decent than the usual intros they have for w or NWA pay-per-view. So, it's on the upscale so far, <laughs> which brings us to our first match. It's uh, Sting and Nikita Koloff versus Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard for the Tag Team Championships. And uh, Arn and Tully are the champs going into this match. And... What did you boys think of it? First and foremost, what happened to Nikita? Yeah, he like he shrunk. He shrunk and, and he, has he has hair. hair. And he had hair. He had he, a flat top. He had a flat top, and um, I I had to Wikipedia. I didn't this. know it was him. Like actually him. Yeah, I had to Wikipedia it because I was just like, what uh, what happened to this Did dude? Did he get sick or something? From what I understand, he was gone for a while because his wife had cancer. Oh, okay. And he got off steroids. That would, that would be another it. explanation, yeah. yes. Yeah. So I guess okay. he was on steroids. He got off steroids, which which is the size coming down. He was on and steroids? Really? No. <laughs> and, uh, and the hair growing out, I guess, he just wanted to grow out his hair. He doesn't look nearly as menacing with hair. No. No. He, looked like he just didn't look menacing really face, at all. Baby yeah. face. Yeah, exactly. Uh, other than that kind of craziness, uh, I love this match. Yeah. There's a great start. It had huge energy, and the crowd is like coming unglued. Yep, for like for Sting and uh, Koloff. Oh, they're the crowd was crazy into this one. They were they were living and dying with each move. Um, and this match was a masterclass in tag team wrestling. Yes. Uh, if anybody wants to know how how to do a tag team match, you just watch these four do it, and you just know. Especially Arn and Tali. Oh. Arn is They're one amazing. of the most amazing sellers I've ever seen. Yeah. Oh, just Drop Kick City. Yep. From Sting. That's right. He drops so <laughs> many drop kicks. I'm surprised he didn't drop kick the ref. Yeah. And his partner because he was yeah. just dropping them everywhere. And uh, there was another point where where Arn rolled out of the ring and Sting did a diving that was, stinger splash. That was diving sweet. stinger splash over the top rope onto the floor. That was sweet. Without using the ropes like his leverage. He just ran and dove right over clean. It was it, not a challenge for him. That was impressive. I you forget later when he's crosting how insanely athletic this guy used yeah. to be. He had a double drop kick. Yeah. Yeah he yeah. went from like a <laughs> he went he did like the somersault out of an arm bar and he did in did this like double drop kick and I yeah. went whoa that was that was sweet. a weird spot but nicely executed oh that was a wicked spot I didn't expect him to it was a double hammerlock yeah he did a, he did a was it a front flip rotation or a back no he did a backflip rotation backflip rotation and then into a I'm like is this a two hundred five live match yeah it was <laughs> awesome awesome I also there's there's another spot where um, Tully. Does a Arn, sunset flip? No, Arn was oh. in trouble, so Tully reached out his foot to so Arn could tag his foot so he could get in. And then the ref's like, no, you can't do that. And like it was great because it showed that the heels, the, the villains, they were desperate. You know, they they want he wanted to get in there so bad and he yeah. was trying his foot and the ref caught it. I just thought that was awesome. 
I didn't like that uh, spot by uh, Tully where he does like the sunset flip onto oh. Sting. That 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 looked pretty dangerous. And yeah, it was that very was kind of close weird. to you know botching. I mean, yes. they pulled it off kind of, but it, I just didn't like it. It was just ah, no, didn't like the. It just someone could have got hurt. Some yeah, we don't want people to get hurt, guys. Come there, on. There was another spot where uh, Anderson had Cole off at an armbar and he was wrenching it. And then Koloff just shook it off, and he just was like almost kind of hulking up towards Anderson. And Anderson got so wide-eyed and scared, and the crowd could see it, and they were feeding off it. And it was just an awesome moment that just to show that you don't need to do all these crazy moves. A facial expression could get the reaction out of the crowd, and Anderson was, was amazing at that. What's one thing about Anderson that was... I mean, he would walk around with you know that menacing scowl on his face all the time with those you know those shades that he had on. Yeah, but, and I the mean, belly shirts. But then when you see him well, in the belly <laughs> shirts too, too, that's a whole different can of worms right there, though. But, um, <laughs> Very, that's a certain type of intimidation. Thing. Yeah, absolutely. If you could wear a belly shirt, and people still be scared of you. Uh, I mean, the belly shirts was kind of an easy thing, anyways. But yeah. um, but I mean, when Arn would get wide-eyed and scared, you knew it kind of meant something. Yes. Because nine out of ten times, like I said, he'd be, he'd have that like that deep scowl on his face. You know, he's called the enforcer, so I mean, he kind of had to look the part, so to speak. But uh, I don't know he just, he made everything mean something. Anderson, yep. that's a lost art, I find. What do you? What else you got to say about this, Dave? I didn't want it to end. Yeah, I was enjoying it that yeah. much. The I've always been a person that likes watching the fans and or I feed off of them. The and yeah. when I see them going absolutely like crazy in a good way i just like keep going yep like keep milking it like you're doing the you're doing great yeah and when the crowd's dead it's kind of like or when they're chanting boring i kind of yeah feel that energy as well yeah so it's like but the fans were oh geez they were like there was times where i couldn't hear the commentating yeah because they're just so loud and this was the opening match if if i can say this this is this was to me the best opening match for nwa pay-per-view so far yep I think it's the best opening match of any pay-per-view we've reviewed. Probably, yeah. That's probably not far. You know, if I, can, if I can go back through my notes and look, I'm pretty sure it is. And uh, for how loud uh, the crowd was throughout the entire match, when Koloff tags and Sting for the hot tag, I thought the roof blew off the place. Like, that that saying, I, I swear, I was I was like, is the roof still on that? Because the, the crowd somehow got louder and more rambunctious. It was insane. Insane. How did it get louder? I don't know. That's <laughs> what blew my mind. I'm like, how did it get so so loud? So yeah, what I gave this match 1.5. What was the finish? Oh the finish. yeah, yeah. Oh, finish. You, you just skipping the, the finish. finish eh? I was just totally like, it just, come on, in Dave. The mode, in the mode. Jeez, it's so good. We don't even know what to tell you. What the finish. Is. I always put the card. The finish. Was, it was a time limit draw. Which. Didn't you know, bother was, me. I'm not yeah. big on them, but I, it didn't bug me. It didn't bug. Yeah, it didn't bother me in this match because it didn't feel. It didn't feel like we were waiting for the time limit draw. It just kind of happened. Mm-hmm. Where sometimes when they go to draws, it's like the last five minutes. You're just like, okay, you could tell they're milking time just to get there. Um, this was a great match to open the show. Mm-hmm. I gave it a two out of two. I gave it a one point five out of two. Would would why did you dock it? What would you have docked it for? I, I just I don't know. It's hard for me to give it. It's hard <laughs> for me. To, well, as long as you don't. It's hard know, for me I mean, to give a perfect a score because there was that one botch that made me uncomfortable. Oh, okay, fair enough. Fair enough. 
Fair enough. I'll give it. I'll give it one point five as well. That's actually okay. just me nitpicking, really, because it's just well, a good match. You're a jerk. Let's move on to the second match. Second <laughs> match is a good. It's a good follow up match. It's uh, the Midnight Express, which is Sweet Stan Lane and Beautiful Bobby Eaton versus <laughs> the Fantastics, uh, Tommy Rogers and uh, Bobby Fulton, and is for the United States Tag Team Titles. Interesting that the Opening matches for the world tag team titles, but the seconds for the U.S. Yeah. tag team titles. And, and the Fantastics are the champ. Champ's going into this. Um, I, there's, just, there's a gimmick. There's lots of gimmicks. There's not just, <laughs> there's not just a gimmick. It's there's a lots of gimmicks. So Jim Cornette is out with the Midnight Express, and he has to be put in a straitjacket and put into a shark cage that is then raised above, like, 10 feet or 20 feet in the air or whatever. And if the Fantastics win, they get to hit the, uh, like the Midnight Express, Stan Lane, Bobby Eaton, and Jim Cornette with, with a leather strap, 10 lashes each. I did not catch that part. No, um, I, mean, I totally missed that. Wow. Uh, what I didn't, <laughs> this, this is, I had to dock points be, just because I don't understand why you would do this. To put Cornette in a cage. In a straitjacket. Would mean that, like, obviously Cornette interferes with everything. But shouldn't the Midnight Express have the titles going into this? So the Fantastics are like, you know what, we, this is our last chance at the titles. You know, we are going to get a stipulation in that Cornette can finally not interfere so we can get you, like, two on two. Because we could beat you two on two. Mm-hmm. But instead the Fantastics were the champion. So why do they need Cornette in there? If Cornette interferes... It's a qualified and yeah, uh, they, the Fantastics they take... keep the titles, and therefore nothing happens. I would just ban Cornette from ringside. Yeah, it just like yeah. I feel like to have to have this happen is it would have been better if the Midnight Express was the tag team champions going into this, not the Fantastics. Yeah, I don't. This is the third pay per view in a row where Cornette has been involved in a gimmick. Yes. Well, the last two of the tower or not tower. the man sorry, the this, this is this is WCW though, where their pay per views end with a, a blow off, <laughs> right? Um, one of the funniest things that I've ever seen was Cornette being put into the straight jacket yeah. and then turning to the ref and Get saying, $10,000. and saying, um, "Can I can I uh, appeal to your base baser instincts?" And the ref's like, no. And he's like, can you be bribed? Cornette says. <laughs> and the ref says, no. And then Cornette says, uh, like, $5,000. And then the ref's like, I wouldn't do it for ten. And Cornette's like, $15,000. <laughs> I thought that was pure gold. Yeah, and, and, then he, and then the ref's like, no. And he's like, he's like, this company's messed up. I can't believe you found the only honest ref in Baltimore or something like that. It was just, that to me was one of the best parts of the match, yeah. Cornette. Uh, getting into the straight jacket was just hilarious, and yelling at guys to watch his jacket because his mommy gave it to him. Yeah, and he actually <laughs> yes. said, "Mommy, yes. that was my uh, mama gave me this jacket." God yeah, damn. yeah. It's uh, <laughs> you almost have to watch this match just for Cornette's ramblings at the at the beginning. It was pretty funny. But you know, after a certain point, it's like, it okay, got, dude, okay, dude, get, get, get in the cage. Yeah, yeah, it got a little old. Okay, um, I, 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 what do you think of this? Why do they have judges for boxing judging wrestling? I don't know. Like, what is that? I don't know. It's. I guess. I. I'm guessing it's their way of, of, um, of, uh, uh, bringing some legitimacy to wrestling or something. Maybe because we're still thinking it's real. 
whatnot, but it's ridiculous. It's you pointless, know, really. Yeah. Um, the camera angles were awful in this match. <laughs> yes. They would, they would cut to things and they'd miss moves. Or they'd, they'd watch, like, Stan Lane come in and, and hit something and then hit, watch him walk out of the ring while Bobby Eaton was doing a move to a yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. it's like... <laughs> that happened a lot. Tons. I lost count, it jumped actually. around. I stopped, I stopped counting after 10. And that's, that's not just in this match. It happened in most of the matches. Yeah, it does, like, actually. They didn't have like the WWE has where they have the hard camera shot yeah. and that's where they shoot the majority of the match from. All their all their shots were from the guys around the ring. Yeah. So you were missing tons of stuff. Mm-hmm. There was uh later there's one point in the Luger Flair match where where Luger has and Flair are doing something and the way the camera angle is, it's shining it's shooting right up into a light so you can't see their faces. No hard no, camera. No hard camera. Like, what are you doing? Like, you guys got to be a professional company here. No, one thing I didn't notice in this match was there was a lot of unique spots. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, there was a part, you know how they have that, like, the Tate teams going opposite corners directly from each other, and they do the double Irish whip, and yep. the heels usually sell it? Yeah. But the Fantastics dropped, and they connected with their feet. Yeah. I think and they then jumped back, each other at first. And then did like a, it was a monkey flip. I was like, yeah. what just happened? Yeah, it was really cool. I was like, what was that? That was that? fantastic. That was awesome. Yeah, it's fantastic. And like, the fantastic, like Tommy, I thought was the best work in the whole match. Yeah. He was doing a lot of like yeah. high flying spots and just everywhere. This was, this was um, a good match for uh, showing innovative stuff. Uh, there was one where Stan Lane kicks... Uh, Roger's head, and then he turns around and feeds it to Bobby Eaton, and he grabs him in like a choke slam, and then brings him down into a backbreaker. Yeah, like that was mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah, and it looked great too. And Rogers is selling it like crazy. Um, I had, uh, I did like this match. I would have given it a one out of two, but I had to give it a point five because of the stupid stipulations. Because thought, every five minutes you'd uh, have a quick shot of Cornette just basically just that's right. sitting there just moping like, in like the a cage. child. Yep. Like well, one well, which brings me back. Why is he in a straight jacket if he's that high up in the? Uh, yeah, just, that I can go on and on about you know, that. Yeah, that's uh, next. Like, what was next? Like, have the cage electrified? Yeah, it's like they were trying to figure out ways to make it so you can believe that Cornette would not be able to get involved at all. Yeah, like really, he's, he's the greatest ringside. magician in yeah. the world. Ban him got out from of ringside, and it's so much simpler. And then we had the uh, we didn't the, say the finish. The finish. Okay, uh, there was, <laughs> I was getting to when it. we had the next match. No, like, then we had the finish where there was a ref bump, and Bobby Eaton pulled out uh, a chain, wrapped it around his uh, hand, and hit Tommy Rogers with it. Uh, and then I like how so he hits him with it, and as he's pinning him, you can see him tuck the chain into Rogers' tights. Yeah, I thought that was actually kind of you slick. know. So they uh, so Midnight Express wins, and uh, the Fantastics get up and they complain about the chain and. The ref calls Bob Eaton back in, and he's like, let me check you. And Bob Eaton's like, whatever, man. Holds up holds up the belt and lets him check him. Nothing. And then the, you can see the Fantastics pull it out of his own tights. And I was like, oh, that's phenomenal. I love it. Small that was fantastic. It was fantastic. On the Fantastics. That's right. That's right. But, again, so you have Jim Cornette in a straight jacket, but you still use chain to win. Like, it just. Yeah, I know. Redundancy if, if, at its if best. You're gonna have, if you're going to have Cornette in a street jacket and in a shark cage, you need to have the Midnight Express have the titles and drop them to the Fantastics. Like, they finally got it. You know what I mean? But that was weird. So now we go on <laughs> or, to... Or, actually, before I, one thing that actually could have maybe saved face a little bit, if they're going to cheat, 
lift the stairs up and have Jim Cornette's tennis racket. So maybe before they went out to the match saying, hey, I know I'm going to be in this cage. I know I'm going to be in the straitjacket, but I hid my tennis racket underneath the stairs just as a little ace in the Now, th- this is going to sound silly, but like, does NWA actually have stairs to get in the ring? Because I don't think they do. Oh, well, yes. If they okay. did, it's probably those Okay, fine. Under yeah, those rings. ugly wood Under ones. Under the ring, then. Yeah, okay, fine. yeah, that, that that would make sense. Yeah, exactly. Like, use the tennis racket. use the tennis racket, say, oh, we forgot yeah. about, oh, we put or have, up there, but we didn't put the tennis racket. Darn, okay. Or or we have... That would have saved face a little bit. You know, or, if you're going to have him in a shark cage above, have him, like, spit out the chain through the shark cage to the ring. Have it actually above the ring. <laughs> right? <laughs> Like, you know what I mean? Like, if you're going to have... I'm just visualizing Cornette sitting Yeah. You see uh. his big loogie just dripping down slowly. Yeah. He hands him the key, and then he slurps it back okay, up. Okay, okay. Okay, maybe that's Robocop should have debuted. Yeah, this, maybe that wasn't the best plan. We're going to move on to the next match. Which is the Tower of Doom. Oh. Oh, like here we go, everybody. And it is... Um, okay. How would you even begin to describe you this are, match? Can I tell you who's in the match first? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay, here we go. It is, I forgot. No, I'm kidding. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's the Road Warriors, Dr. Death, Steve Williams, Jimmy Garvin, Ronnie Garvin, and Paul Ellering. I don't think I missed anybody. No, nope, six. you're okay. good. And they are taking on the Powers of Pain, Ivan Koloff, the Varsity Club, which is made up of Kevin Sullivan. Powers of Pain aren't in this and, match. Uh, no? No. Wait, what? Oh. I, heard, I heard powers. Okay. No. Oh no. My bad. My bad. My bad. So the we watched the pay-per-view. We, we swear. We swear. Okay. We watched so the, the opposing team is not the okay. Scratch powers of pain. It's Ivan Koloff, the Varsity Club, which is made up of Kevin Sullivan, Mike Rotundo, or Rotunda. Alper, Rotunda. Sorry. No, pick, I'm just saying. Pick they, your they, vowel. Pick your vowel. Pick your vowel. They, they change it. And Al, and Al Perez. And uh, the Russian assassin. assassin. That's Who right. Is? I don't know. You searched Oh, yes. Actually, I wikipedia this, actually. Yes, you did. The Russian uh, assassin is actually Jack Victory from ECW. Yep. Oh, there you go. Interesting little... We drop little truth bombs. Here. Okay. Did I, did, I miss, did I miss anybody? No, well, they mentioned Rick Steiner during Rick's... the match. Yeah, uh, Rick Steiner came in later. Thanks okay. For, thanks for getting the, the cart in front of the horse, I Dave. I didn't know if I was actually... Why do you keep on doing this? Anyways, I'm gonna I'm gonna explain the rules here. So it's two. Really? Teams. Can you explain it so everyone understands? Because I still don't. Can understand. you not interrupt? Sorry. Two teams of five. Ten people. Ten people total. Ten people. <laughs> there are two minute intervals to two enter ladders. The, the, so now, okay, the Tower of Doom is three cages. <laughs> Hold on. There's three cages. So there's the big one on the bottom that kind of looks like a hell in a cell, and then they t- they put another one on top. That is a little bit smaller, and then they put a third one on top that's smaller than that. Which is microscopic. Yes. And Tommy Young, the ref, has to climb all the way up. And th- this ladder is pretty tall. Yeah. And he looks scared. Like, he looks oh, terrified. He's petrified. He's, petrified. he's petrified of being up there. Like, he's holding on to the cage. He's not looking over the and edge. He's, he's got to have he, a focal point. He's got a crank that has a rope pulley system to open the trap doors yep. that are in each cage so guys can get through. Now... The whole point of this is every two minutes, one guy from each uh, uh, team goes into the top cage. And the whole point is to work your way down to Precious, who is in the ring with the key to the door. And you get down and Precious will unlock the door and you get out. And and the point, 
to win, all five guys got to get out. Now, when you get to the bottom cage, do you have to fight in there for two minutes before pressure to open the gate? No, no, you can leave right away. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I, yeah. I was confused with that part. No, I'm no. Like, there was times that people would be fighting in the ring. I'm like, why don't you just leave? I don't know. Don't ask me. So I was just confused. Um, so now Precious is key to this because she was kidnapped by Kevin Sullivan for a time. Mm-hmm. And Precious is the manager of Jimmy Garvin. Mm-hmm. So Gorgeous. Gorgeous Jimmy Garvin. And so that's why she's involved in this because it's – she's the gatekeeper. Or okay, well, that answers one of my questions. Why is Precious in the okay, ring? That's but, why. Okay, there we go. Um, why, if anyone wants watch Clash of Champions, I think it's one or two, and it, it kind of explains the story. Um, my first note for this is every time I think WCW can't come up with a, with a dumber match than the Skywalkers, they outdo themselves. I said, there's no way they could beat a scaffold match, and then they come up with a Royal Rumble version of uh, and, uh, with a cage. In Bunkhouse Step It's like I'm a like, reverse war game. Yeah. And I'm like, there is no way they can be tougher than, than Bunkhouse Step I mean, it, it, And then they come up with. Challenge accepted. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it it's, like the, it's like the new memes. It's like, it's like WCW's like, hold my beer. Watch this. Oh, <laughs> it, it entices geez. you to look forward to the next time. Oh, game. man. And the killer is they do this later in life that, like, they, they base a whole movie on it and ready to rumble. Yeah. And then they bring it on again. It's like, what are you doing? So, uh, do you remember, did you guys write down who was the first people involved? It was uh, Ivan Koloff and um, Ron Garvin. That's correct. And yeah. so, are, you, are first, you trying to test me? I here? had no idea what was going on. Okay, okay. Now, what were the, I mean, you kind of learned the rules as the match progressed. I think the wrestlers had no the idea what you, the, the, what you were. So the whole into. point is, so the, so Koloff and Ron Garvin get into the cage, the top cage, and they battle for two minutes. Then a horn goes off, and Tommy Young loosens the the rope pulley, so or tightens it, I guess. So the so the trap door opens, and you got like thirty seconds to get down, like to try to make your way down to the next level. While that's going on, two more guys are coming in at the same time. So in that top cage that's so small that can barely fit the two guys, it We're gets a put little two more. Yeah, it gets a little bit more of a cluster, and it gets so much so that like Mike Rotunda or Rotundo or whoever, however you say his name, he comes in, and he can't get in properly. He tries to push the door open, and he can't because the trap door is there. So he has to wait. And then once the trap door closes, then he comes in, and instead of attacking Ronnie Garvin, he turns around and slowly closes the door behind him and locks it. Like, why Why wouldn't you go and attack Ronnie Garvin? You know? like, the, And this is the problem with these gimmick matches. You, you invent this in your head, and then in actuality, it's like, dangerous for the wrestlers. And they're like, oh, i got to close this door or else I can like, ram my head back into did this Did you thing. see that cage shaking back and <laughs> The door. cage moves! The cage does move, Don oh. West, just so you oh. know. Oh, awful. It was just, it was hard to watch because... All it was was a brawl fest. Well, and people were were, were trying to do wrestling maneuvers. What are you going to do like, in there? Dr. Yeah. Wrestling Williams moves put a, are you going to do in there? Dr. Yeah. Death put a guy in a figure four. Yeah. And then guys would try to go through trap doors head first. I'm like, oh my God, they're going to fall on their head up to the next level. Like, it was the scariest thing I've ever seen. Uh, this match was about 20 minutes. It was about 19 minutes too long. Yeah, it opinion. was just... I was so confused the whole match because I'm like, I don't understand. Like, 
What's the like? What like? What happens when you won? Like, was there a prize? Was there yeah. a? Like... And and that's the thing. It's like it, it it didn't make sense as to why they were doing this until the end. I mean, I understand like big magnitude matches like this as like a blow off for yeah. like a big rivalry or something like that. But but what, what was what was being blown off here? Well, exactly. Kevin Kevin Sullivan and Jimmy Garvin had a rivalry because Sullivan had had uh, had. Uh, and have them in an individual match. Yeah, that's true. Have them in you a know? cage match. I'm glad they go, they changed to War Games later because War Games is actually a really cool like, concept. Why wouldn't you just have Jimmy Garvin versus Kevin Sullivan, Kevin Sullivan in, in a cage match? Doom. Yeah, or have that just, alone. Just sure, alone in the Tower of Doom. They, sure. They're on either side. It's like a gladiator style match. They go and they just. Yeah. There's more finish. sense to that. Yeah. Then that would be all right because at least it was you know there was an end game at least. And then one thing at the near the end of the match though I did like was uh, the way. Kevin Sullivan just was like crawling towards Precious on all fours. I thought that was yeah, just, that was creepy. That was, that was creepy as hell. I was Kevin confused with why off. Kevin pushed out Jimmy Garvin. Okay, so the finish and was. And oh, yeah. we, you and I talked the next day, and you explained it to me. Okay, so Kevin Sullivan. So the last two guys in the ring are Kevin Sullivan and Jimmy Garvin. Everyone else has gotten out. Uh, so Jimmy Garvin goes for the door, and Kevin Sullivan comes from behind and actually pushes him out of the door. And then closes it and locks it. I'm just like, what? Why would you do that? Oh. Because Kevin Sullivan wants Precious. Yes. He kidnapped her before. He wants her again. So that that's the key to this. this you can this win this, this battle, but and I'm going to win this war. Exactly. This and is, and this is actually where it got good. I still gave this match a zero, but this, it, <laughs> it was, it was, this is after match. I couldn't give it points now. Um, so Sullivan chases after Precious. He's on all fours, and he's, he's stalking her. And all this time, Hawk and Animal are trying to rip off the door, and they can't. Um, and you talk about Rick Steiner. Rick Steiner comes out. He's not in this match, but he's part of the Varsity Club. And he holds the rope so that so – because that, Hawk is climbing up to the top of the cage to come all the way back down to get Precious. But Tommy Young can't open the, the trap door because Rick Steiner's holding the rope. Oh, okay, now right. That, that's oh, so Rick Steiner. I, I didn't see Steiner at all. They didn't show him. They just mentioned it. But I heard his name. So Steiner holds the rope, and they finally gets knocked off. So Hawk comes flying down, and uh, the craziest thing in all this is Kevin Sullivan takes out a tag rope out of his tights and starts choking Precious. Like whoa, man on woman that's violence. Pretty, yeah, that's like, pretty sadistic. Even in twenty, like that. That's like not cool. Anytime, and I'm just like, I can't believe they did this. Like, that is crazy. He's pushing some buttons. That is sure pushing some he buttons. He is a taskmaster, all right. And then finally... Uh, I love how the judges were not here for this match. They were not here for this match. <laughs> a guy and then Hawk finally gets down and just destroys Kevin Sullivan. He does this crazy flying clothesline and just knocks him down. Sullivan bumps like a crazy man. Jimmy Garvin finally gets into the ring because he went up top to come down. Gets precious out. They still haven't unlocked the cage because <laughs> the, <laughs> the guy who's supposed to do it is doing a really bad job at it. So they have to squeeze through, but uh, yeah. So Jimmy Garvin's team wins, uh, but Sullivan got a little piece of revenge there. All in all, a bad match. I gave, <laughs> yeah. I gave it a point five because at least the ending kind of didn't make up a lot, but it made up for some. There was some gotcha. sensibility to it at least. Yeah, so progressed the story. At least it kind of it started horribly, like it stumbled out of the gate, but it ended really like well, wow. Like you guys said, the the wrestlers didn't know what to do. 
They were, they got, you could tell, uh, I think it's Animal. You could see him look up and mouth like, what the heck? What are we supposed to do? Yeah, he's like looking, he's like, what do I do in this thing? Like, they they probably got like this this really condensed, uh, told what to do. Just throw punches. Yeah, just throw punches. Don't worry, it's just a cage. Don't worry buzzer, about it, guys. When you hear the buzzer, when go When you hear the buzzer, the go down. Oh, okay, that doesn't sound too hard. Then they get up there and they're like, what are, what have we gotten ourselves into? Ugh. Like even Paul Ellering is looking at going, I got no idea, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I mean, okay. So before we move on, us three, let's say, are the judges, the boxing judges at ringside, and we're watching this match. What are we going to say to that? <laughs> I don't think this is under their state commissions. They're allowed to have this kind of match, to be quite honest. You know, what are, what are we going to say? I just love, like, I'm not going to... No, I'm not gonna say that. Same because it was the main event, but later on I'll say I'll, okay. I'll come back to this. Well, let's go to the semi-main event. All right, then. we're done the... bashing this match. Okay, we'll try the 25 matches. All right, uh, the next is for the United States title. It is Dusty Rhodes, baby, and uh, versus Barry Windham, who is now part of the Four Horsemen, and he's the champ. And he is the champ. Yes. So uh, Lex Luger did not last long in the Four Horsemen. No, he did not. No. I like the uh, I like how this match has a um, very personal vendetta feel to it. Like you can tell when Dusty comes out, like he means business. Like, yep. and I'm like, oh, I'm I'm gonna get that Barry Windham baby. You understand? <laughs> um, there was a botch right at the beginning of this match, which yep. kind of took me yep. out of it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they they do a crisscross, Dusty and Barry, and Dusty hits the mm. ground, and then I Barry. Instead of running over him, he stops, and I think he's supposed to miss the elbow to the back of Dusty's head because Dusty's backing up, yeah. but Barry still hits him as Dusty's getting up, but Dusty doesn't even sell it. He just gets <laughs> up and hits him with an elbow. I'm like, oh, okay, I guess we're just not going to sell that. It's kind of like how Larry's business looks like a back body drop and yeah. going for a pin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and actually, that, that, that spot right there is, um, it's not always a Great idea to have two really strong ring generals in the ring at the same time. Like yeah, that, because maybe because they they can control the match like their own way. And I mean, when you have that happen, it can sometimes clash. Yeah, it's not the only time I've seen that. But yeah, there was definitely more botches than you would expect these from two. these two guys. Yeah, like it just, the uh, whole match but, just felt like it just felt underwhelming. And, yes, and like uh, Dusty's DDTs, weird. Why? Weird. They are weird. Like, it's it's like it's a, like a glorious DDT. It's a stalling DDT. <laughs> it just it looks he stalls weird. Like he grabs him and he throws up. But then he jumps and then he throws up his arm and he yells at the crowd and then he kind of jumps and the guy that's taking it's got to kind of time it to make it look good and I I haven't seen Dusty hit it once where it's looked good. <laughs> it just does not because it's because of the jump. He mm -hmm. throws off the timing. Yeah, so he does. Yeah, that's like, one of the few. If you're taking it, do you jump with him? Yeah, that's or one of the. That's like one of the few. Uh, like, is he jumping like, to make it look more, like, more uh, impactful? As I wouldn't think falls so. Down. Yeah. I don't know. It's just that this is the third one I've seen, and it's been the same result. Yeah. Dusty uh, can really control a crowd. I've said this oh, many times. Oh, jeez. He shakes yeah, those hips. He and shakes the crowd those goes hips, nuts. and the crowd goes crazy. It is amazing to see. Uh, he hit JJ Dillon with the elbow when Dillon that's gets a up. Great spot. When he gets when he gets up on the, <laughs> I on think the, JJ like legitimately hurt his tailbone. Yeah, when he when yeah, he, he gets up he, he gets up on the apron and then you see him Dusty, say an F word. 
Yeah, Dusty. Dusty hits him with the elbow and he falls down. You could tell he's actually. Uh, Did he like delay in the ropes for a yeah. bit too? Yeah, yeah. That was a great spot. I thought it was a great. But the crowd, by JJ. the crowd went crazy yeah. for that. They love to see JJ get his comeuppance. Um, but it was like, it's exactly what Dave said. It was underwhelming for the two guys here. Like he just expected more. Maybe that was the problem. No, was, no, I totally put that as one of one of my notes here. Like, I mean, it was for somebody for two wrestlers of their caliber. To be, you know, botching the way they are for yes. it to be another world match. That. I'm just like, yeah. why? Why? No, it just like, shows you guys how much chemistry be... is involved. This is yes. This is a potential show stealer right yeah. here. That, it, Dave, that Dave nailed it. If you don't, ha- just because you're two ultra talented guys, if you don't have chemistry, it nope. doesn't matter. Nope. It's like that. You know, to, to fast forward here, uh, the one match on Raw between CM Punk and Seth Rollins. Yeah. All it was was botches. Yeah. And it's like, holy cow! But look, like these guys are huge names, and they're still. Watching, like it's just it's all about chemistry and timing. Yep. And now, was this a no DQ match? Because no. there was two no, spots it wasn't. It wasn't where Barry announced. Windham had the claw on Dusty, and Dusty would ascend to the top rope, which yep. would mean he had to have his hands on a rope so to climb rope up. Break. And there was right. no rope breaks. That's right, uh, or at least a five count. What also I didn't like. So before, uh, leading into the that spot twice <laughs> is that Barry Windham had the claw on Dusty for almost eight minutes. It was it was a long and Dusty sold it the whole time. And though. granted the crowd was into it, but for myself I was just like, holy crap. This like f- are they gassed and they just have nothing else? Or are they really trying to show that this claw is the most powerful thing well, apparently ever? Apparently the claw can gash you. Yes, that's the announcers did say that the claw can gash you. That's some sharp nails. I think it's because of how tight you're squeezing the head that blood vessels just pop. But just like Dave said, uh, Dusty tries to get out of it, and he backs up into the turnbuckle. So now he's in the ropes, and he starts to climb the ropes, and the ref doesn't ask for a break. Nothing. He just lets it go. He just lets it go. And I'm so like, if Dusty would have tapped, would have a count? I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. That's what confused me. And then Dusty can't get out of it. And he's having trouble until he fi- the elbow. finally he gets out of it, uh, and they go they go back into the corner, and the the ref like <laughs> is like in the corner with these guys, and I'm like ref, what are you doing in there? And then Wyndham hits a back elbow and sends the ref flying, and I'm like, why is the ref in that position? Yeah, World Cup it was soccer, a soccer right there. It was yeah, a soccer bump. and I'm like, didn't even ref- touch the ref. You know, if you're gonna have a ref bump, make it like, oh sh- shoot, like like the ref like was in perfect position, but you know stuff happens. <laughs> not why is the ref in that position? That's you, not uh, his job. If you want an example of a good ref bump, it happened a couple weeks ago on SmackDown, where Kevin Owens had AJ Styles in his left shoulder, and Owens literally threw Styles at the ref. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> That's how you do a proper ref. But this, it looked like the gust of wind. Knock yes. the ref over. <laughs> yeah. And um, so then Dusty uh, gets Wyndham down and then hits the uh, the, the elbow drop. And uh, he goes to pin uh, for a 15 count, according to Jim Ross. No ref. So Ron Garvin strolls into the ring. And I mean strolls. Like, he doesn't come in like a house of fire. He just strolls yeah. in the ring. And then Dusty tells him, you could actually see him say this, like, go get the ref. Like, Dusty, why don't you go get the ref? Who are you telling this guy to do your work for? Well, I guess Roddy Gar- Garvin didn't like that too much. As Dusty turns to go away, Garvin wh- whips around and hits him with the punch, which is Roddy Garvin's finish. Uh, man with the hands of stone. Man with the hands of stone. And then uh, and then Roddy Garvin just walks out, just strolls out again, and then Wyndham just flops over 
J.J. Dillon wakes up the ref. One, two, three. Wyndham retains the belt. Cool. Or no, that's not right. Sorry. Wyndham got up and, and put the claw on Dusty, and Dusty was knocked out. That's so, right. Yes. And then it went to a pinfall from there. Yes, it went for a pinfall, yeah, because his shoulders are on the bat. Ronnie Garvin turning heel didn't. I didn't see that coming. Yeah. Well, and then late, just just after that, they show him in the back, and he's taking money from J.J. Dillon and uh, Gary Hart. Makes sense. Well, so everyone has the price. Everyone, Wait a minute. For the, everyone has the price for the Wait million dollar Dillon <laughs> for the million dollar JJ. Now yes. we're in the, main the million dollar man. Yes, so I gave that that I gave that match a point five yeah, out of two, uh, just because there was botches, too many for those two guys. No rope breaks, terrible ref. And uh, yeah, what once you know once you just blatantly ignore rules, you've lost. Me. You every time we do an NWA WCP review, that's what always grinds your gears. Is, is the rules the, are stated. But never, never followed. The refs are like, yeah, whatever. And then they'll try to say, it's okay, it's up to the refs' discretion. Why? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why are we putting this the in the rules. hands of them? Ugh. It's like Captain Barboza and Pirates of the Caribbean. Eh, they're more like guidelines than actual rules. <laughs> I guess. They're only okay. the rules if you get caught. So from here we go on to the main event. Woo! Which is, oh! Which is, uh... <laughs> <laughs> just, I'll get into that in a second. Which is, uh, Lex Luger... Versus uh, Nature Boy Ric Flair for the Ooh. world title. And um, just quickly here, let's send some uh, get well wishes to Rick. Yes, yes. yes. Sending good Hello. thoughts and prayers to Ric Flair. Hopefully he has, uh, uh, comes back out of this recovered and stronger than ever. I hope you're uh, on your bed uh, recovering and styling and profiling. There's only you can do there, Rick. And, um, well, let's bash him in this match. It, uh, <laughs> Basically. Now, JR makes a very, very scintillating point right at the beginning of the match. A Tommy Young's safest spot is to be behind the package. Yep, that was awkward. I did catch that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought it was a funny spot, though. So the spot was Flair, Flair goes out of the ring, and Tommy Young tells him to get in, and Flair takes a swing at him. And then Tommy Young scurries back into the ring and hides behind Luger. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that, that's showing your authority here, Tommy Young. Yep. Like, like, what the heck, man? That That's quite a bit different from, like, Earl Hebner, who goes toe-to-toe -to -toe with Triple H in 10 years and just starts punching him and, and stuff. He throws yeah. down Triple yeah. H. Jeez. So, uh, Luger was annoying in this match. Oh, my God. He's just... very annoying. Oh! Yeah. <laughs> and, like, oh! I, like, again and no. again with the... Oh! Every I, every move. Every I move. understand because, like, when 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 I was training with Bad News, he always said, you know, do some vocals to make the punches look better. Yes, I but, wish he told that to Luger. But Luger was doing it on leapfrogs. He was doing it in headlock holds. Yeah. He was doing it when he was chopping, or being chopped. I like. There wasn't a time where I don't think he didn't do it, and there were. It's like you know, there is too much. It's like when I was watching Hacksaw. And he would always, ho, like every time he did a strike. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's too much. So to be honest with you, after the couple times to a half a dozen times that Luger did this, I could not take the match seriously because I was looking forward to him doing it again and again. Just waiting. And again. You're just waiting for it. And it, it just kept happening. And then we just laughed even harder because we knew exactly so, when and where and how he was going to do it, which the, just made the stock of the match just go... What Luger lacked, what Luger lacked in wrestling ability, he made up for vocals. 
I, I guess. Guy, <laughs> he looks like a Greek god. It's uh, too he bad. He did throw some good drop kicks. I'll, I'll give him that. It's too bad that he can't. Um, he can't. Uh, he he couldn't follow up his looks with wrestling ability because that guy, yeah. like for look and, and, look and build, ten out of ten with look. Yeah, he should have been the guy, but his ability was lacking. Um, what annoyed me the most with this match is Flair's calling the match throughout, but he, I think he knew the limitations of Luger, and he kept on calling the same spots because those were the only ones Luger could do. And he went back to the same spot five times where Luger would go into the turnbuckle and then Flair would try to, try to like hip toss him out of the corner and Luger would reverse it and he'd throw Flair. And they did that five times. It was only a 15-minute match. Why are you doing it so much? But it's because Luger can't do anything else. At least not this stage in his career. Just annoying. That that's what took me out of the match. It seemed like it was like, oh my god. How about that one time where Flair went to top rope to do his uh, ever so popular? Who knows? He may have been signed for a four fifty splash. Yeah, we don't know this. We we never know what kind of splash or move Flair was going to do because he was always what's he going to do? Get up there and just go woo, and then two cool Scorpio the the guy. At the we'll bottom. never know. We'll, we'll never, never know. know. Man. But this one time Flair goes up and he. Literally, literally crotches himself. Worst yeah. botch ever. Luger punches him. He and, old schooled the ropes. And and Flair's not in position to crotch himself. So he took two steps onto the ropes like old school, like Taker, and then crotched himself. And it's like, <laughs> oh, come on. Like, you guys couldn't make that look better? Maybe then he was going to go for Tornado DDT. Yeah, you don't know. <laughs> he slipped. You don't know. This match, though, was not, not good. Oh, and it gets worse. Um, does anybody else have anything nope. else to bring up before I get into the finish? I think the majority of our it, complaints was the vocals, right, yeah. Ben? Oh, God. How did oh it go again? <laughs> yep. All match. And actually, one one thing before we get to the ending, Lance Storm's right. Lex Luger's punches are awful. <laughs> yes. Yes. For a guy of his specimen and his physique, and he throws punches like that, like... I think I can actually throw a punch that's going to look a little more vicious than that. Hornswoggle has better punches. I know I couldn't, but when you're a professional wrestler, I expect better. That That's it. You know, I can't throw a better punch you than gotta earn group, that but professional. I, I expect better out of, out of a guy that's in a main event spot going for the world title. That's, you know. Uh, but the finish was, so they, they get outside. Uh, Flair rams Luger's face into, this, into the post. Luger blades, um, <laughs> you know, which which the camera sees him doing it, and I'm just yeah. like, oh my god, who's communicating to the back? You're not supposed to see that. And then he gets into the ring and he's bleeding, and it's not that bad. It's a little bit of blood. It's I've seen Ric Flair bleed worse, but Luger's not bleeding that bad. So Luger gets like an adrenaline rush from it, and then gets Flair up in the torture rack, and as he's in the torture rack. Tommy Young comes over, taps him, match is over. Crowd goes bananas. They go crazy. I like. Wow. I even thought for a second that wow. I thought Luger, Luger won. won the title. Yeah, I thought Luger won. I'm like, wow, that was a really good finish. I was right here. I had a I had a point five. <laughs> like I, I had wrote it. I was like, okay, like it was it was rough, but I'm gonna give it a point five. Well, I can see you kind of three, three quarters of the way you wrote a five. Yeah, and then I'm you like, stop somewhere. And then I was like, wait a second. And then they, the announcer announces that due to severe lacerations on his forehead, the match has been stopped, 
and Flair retains the title. Even though Luger had him in an offensive hold, which really they should have been checking if Flair the, can actually continue. The match was stopped because the these judges that were on the sideline, I guess in Baltimore, the Maryland uh, Athletic Commission does that, which I don't understand why you have that in there. It's not a real sport, guys. I can... Um, and it just seemed like it was such a cop-out to keep Flair to have the title because they, you know, they wanted Luger to get screwed. And it's like, what? That's how you end it? And I think this is the downfall. Took down- the wind out of the sails. I think this is the downfall of Luger because he keep like, they had a chance. The crowd went crazy for him. You had a chance to give him the belt Call and let him run with it for a little Call while. Call audible. And they took it away from him. And I don't think he was the same since. Like, the crowd just kind of got sick of him. He, got, he was stagnant for a very, very long period of time. It just... So, bad finish. Bad, bad I don't, finish. It took the wind out of the sails of the pay-per-view, which started off was good. Kind of it actually went. It actually okay. went off. It went opposite. It yeah. started great, and then it slowly got worse. Yeah, like, like, I can understand the laceration thing immediately. Yes. But four minutes or so later, yes. while the guy is... Is in the torture he's rack. Fin- he's, he's using his Stop finish. Stop the match! And then you stop it. So it's just, it was too blatant of a screw job. Yeah. Like it was just, it was bad. And like my philosophy here was, you know, if you're booking this and you hear the fans going berserk because you just gave the face the win, call an audible and say, you know what, let's re-scratch, like, you know, let's scratch this and yeah. give it to Luger. Yeah, you you know. Run with it. Flair's going to win the belt, like, I think it was a give five. Give it to Luger, you know, give him like a one-month reign. Uh, uh, Flair was a five-time champion at this point. So if you would have given Luger the belt here, that would have been mean that Flair's now a seventeen-time champion. He still would have won it back. Yeah, like, like there was Luger, no Luger reason. might not have been the guy, but you just, just sent home a lot of fans upset. Yeah, a for lot. for a junk finish, it just wasn't good. So if I was the Booker, and let's say I had this finish designed, set in stone, and then I heard that fan response, I'd like somehow get a hold of the ref and just say let it go. Yeah, because the fans. Will come back to see the the person went you know that just won the title defend it. Yep, exactly. And, and they could have made a program out of this. They could have made a two or three more matches. Yep, yep. So yeah, they totally butchered that one. Yeah, that was not good. So what do you what did you give it out of ten, Ben? The I, gave it, I gave it five out of ten. Five out of ten. What'd you give it, Dave? I give it a three. Dave hates WCW. Yeah. Very, I don't know if you people can tell this, but not he, a fan either. But I mean, I, I I'm mean, consistent. Call, call it like a yeah, he consistently hates WCW <laughs> and just... o- and overvalues WWF. Um, <laughs> I gave it a six out of ten. The majority of that was because of the first match. I can agree with that. First that, two, the, first the majority two. of the mine, first two matches were, were first great. two matches were, were uh, how the one point five each. I, I think right there that that was five of the six points I gave yep. were the first two matches. So there you go. Thank you everyone for joining us this week. Uh, next week, join us on Thursday, August 31st for episode 16, where, where we will be reviewing WWF SummerSlam 1988. The main event in that one is the Mega Bucks, which is Andre and Ted DiBiase versus the Mega Powers, <laughs> Hulk Hogan and Macho Man with Jesse Ventura. It's going to be good. As a special referee. It's going to be good. SummerSlam 88. SummerSlam 88. Oh! <laughs> All right, here's September to take us out.